Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you before we start to whoever you are listening to this. Just a word of warning, we do this podcast three times a week, but we're not always sure which day it's going to be on. So the only way to keep your finger on the pulse and listen to the latest episode is to subscribe, get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough of that. Let's talk some rugby. Okay, so this is the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm Ben James. I'm joined by a very special guest today. We've got uh, YouTube's Squidge, otherwise known as uh, Hello. Robbie Owen. How are you doing, Squidge? Uh, hi, all right, yeah. Is there another special guest? Is there someone special as well, or is it just me? It's just you, um, but, but, <laughs> but by definition, that is indeed very special. Um, mm. unlike, uh, thank um, you. Thank um, you for having me. Thank uh, you for having me. Well, it's, it's what the people want. Uh, that's... <laughs> You know, it's um, it's it's incredible, sort of the rise you've had, isn't it? Um, oh yeah, and you're out in Japan right now. Yeah, I am. I actually just walked past Ben Volavon, uh, yeah, Ben Volavola in the street on the way back to the hotel to to do this. Um, so that's that is what Japan is like. Apparently, apparently, you walk past Ben Volavola holding babies all the time. So yeah, um, I was at the World Game last night, and yeah, it's amazing to be out here. It's been an amazing time. Was that Ben Volavola's baby, or was that someone else's? Or quick, we, we, we uh, not confirm was, or deny. Yeah, he had. Oh, yeah, absolute baby napping. Um, it was. Vat, I'm pretty sure it was Vatabua who was with the um, centre's baby. Um, the two of them were walking around together. I clocked Ben Volavola first and thought Ben Volavola does not have kids. Why has Ben Volavola got a baby in his arms? And then realised why. Realised it was his, his teammate's baby that he was carrying. I sent. I sense a video coming out of this. <laughs> there's a full 10 minutes on just why was Ben Volavola carrying a baby conspiracy theories there's, there's so many Shailene Woodley references you can get in and then suddenly you're into the sort of the the area of film which I imagine you quite like to throw into your films uh, videos rather yeah yes it all works yeah, yeah. oh it's just a, a full on noir detective story but with Ben Volavola at the heart it all comes back to it. It all spirals on that game against France last year. The bit when he's in his own behind his own trial and he forgets to catch the ball. That was truly the heart of the matter. That was when we knew that there's there's so much to go on, but you can cast Shailene Woodley as herself, so it's great. I feel like we've gone from joking about this video to this video being halfway into production. This is, this is happening. I'm, yeah, I'm going to find some Hollywood producers and pitch it. Ben Volvo is a handsome lad. He could lead it. He could carry it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's talk about how you first got into YouTube because that is mm. sort of where you're making your name right now. Um, yeah. Sort of meteoric rise, isn't it? But it all started with, as most things do, a video about Steve Tandy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I'd basically fallen since graduating, since leaving uni. Um I, I'd worked for the uni for a bit and I had sort of my contract that I had some issues with. So I ended up falling into accidentally ending up in a job I hated, uh, which I did for two months. Um, and during that time, I just sort of found myself in a place of wanting to do almost literally anything else. And I wrote that Osprey's video in my head and I sort of had the idea for the channel um, while I was just being slightly miserable. Uh, and like, I am not man made for heavy lifting. So spending my day lifting boxes wasn't great. Um, and yeah, and I sort of wrote that video in my head, and then eventually, when um, when the first day I could hand in my notice and quit, I did, and I bought a new computer editing software with the money I'd made from 
you know actually working a real job um started made that video and yeah sort of it took off in a way I wasn't anticipating it to you know I thought I saw there was a bit of a gap in the market there but I didn't think it would take off in the way it has at all you're the one sort of Ospreys fan who, who was quite happy to benefit from their their decline that season then <laughs> apparently so. I wouldn't say I was happy for the decline <laughs> in many ways I'd rather I was in a situation whereby this had yeah you know that's a difficult thing to pinpoint but yeah it was it, it wasn't much fun to watch um but i guess at least for me personally something came out of it you say there's a there's a gap in the market and um it only seems mm. obvious now that you sort of exposed it but why, why did you choose to sort of go into humorous rugby videos because uh, yeah i've always believed that the way forward is, is humorless rugby analysis and that's that's what <laughs> I've, I've tried to maintain um so when I when I first saw yours, I was like, oh, "Come on, you, you can't be funny and be knowledgeable. That's just that's a bit too much." Yeah, but I thought that as well at first, and it was only it was sort of accidental. Um, when I initially had the idea for the channel, it was going to be mostly sort of a hopefully funny thing. You know, it was going to be aiming towards the comedy angle um, as a you know a USP or whatever. But I then when I was writing that first video actually began to put what you could term as analysis in it um, and it sort of worked and so I sort of kept going from there and I think I've got better at the analysis and better at that as I've gone on and I've sort of you know picked up and pick, oh, I pick up on far more now than I did you know two years ago when I started it um, so yeah I stumbled upon that as a format uh, but it seems to have worked oh, no it's def- definitely worked um where do, you, where do you sort of how have you developed your rugby analysis and, and also where mm. you developed your humor because they sort of go hand in hand in the videos don't they oh thank you um the comedy sort of comedy writing is my entire background i did creative writing at uni and i've sort of done a lot of before this started taking most of my sort of time and that you know creative writing energy whatever um i'd done quite a bit of stand-up i'd done you know a touring comedy show throughout in the doing different comedy festivals and so on uh so that's sort of always been there that's always been something i've done um and then i so the 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 rugby stuff was more it was a hobby and i just i read as wide as i could i read a lot of you know including the words online stuff i read a lot of like gwyn jones's stuff uh murray kinsella the 1014 um all the stuff they did like heavy analysis that wasn't just um oh well it's a good pass you know that looked into well this is what he's doing um and i really like i've always loved that because i am sort of a big rugby nerd and that's always you know i was the kind of guy that always got up at three in the morning even before it was my job to watch fiji against samoa um actually, i remember getting up at three, three in the morning to watch fiji again no yeah georgia against samoa really vividly one morning um and it being it was like a 13 all draw and the only thing i had in for some reason i was a student at the time uh yeah i had an assignment it was on a friday morning uh the only thing i had in i had a lecture in the morning like six hours earlier six hours later and i'm not sure why i'm telling the story but the only thing i had in was instant mashed potato and i had three like bowls full of it so i sat and watched this game just eating instant mashed potato and it wasn't a very good game and yet there I was, just in the dark, eating instant mash. I'm not sure why I'm telling this story or quite what I was talking about. Um, that feels like the sort of the point of the story where you, where you like finish by going, and that's when I decided to get help. <laughs> yes, I decided there's two ways forward. Either I can get help 
or I can somehow turn this into a career. And somehow I managed to get to a point where by waking up at, you know, three in the morning for the PNC every year is actually useful for what I do for a living. So that's surreal and bizarre and probably just as well if you ask my parents. <laughs> another another big facet of the videos is obviously the little sort of jokes, the little captions on screen, which, you know, mm. is probably, I was going to say turned the rugby Reddit form into sort of this paranoid sort of Rick and Morty-esque fandom that likes to find every joke but then that is pretty much what Reddit is anyway isn't it? That's true that's true. But but how long, yeah. is, how long does it take to write them? Oh quite a while um, I put most of them in when I'm going but then I also when I'm watching it back either when I finish or when I'm just you know going back through it um, I add more and more in and my thinking is always if I'm bored for these four seconds then an audience member will be uh, and what i forget is that they're watching it in the context of 10 minutes rather than watching those four seconds on a loop constantly um so i know i probably chuck too much in and things are on screen for <laughs> too short a period of time um but i like to think it's sort of as i say it's an extra of people that want to spot it people that want to go back through it and find extra bits they're there in case you want to uh, because you know a lot of my favorite stuff is things like um the edgar wright movies and you know aardman or the simpsons or whatever where there are loads of hidden jokes and there are extra things you can find when you're watching it back a second third fourth fifth whatever time um and i'm not as good as those people so you know when you watch hot fuzz you don't notice that you miss the joke but whereas when you watch one of my videos you do know you like oh I, I missed something there um but that's what i'm aiming for that's the idea i saw one that was shared on twitter the other day it was the uh, Lawrence delalio and johnny wilkinson one yes uh, which is yeah. brilliant isn't it <laughs> yeah and it's often i've forgotten about them you know and i'll go back through things and it'll be like oh yeah that was that was all right that was a solid joke i wrote back in whatever or I've had people just being in Japan here have quoted things back at me and I haven't remembered them from, you know, it's something I put into a video and I, you know, I wrote it in the space of a few minutes back, you know, 18 months ago. Um, and hearing people have watched them enough times. And that's, that's hugely appreciated. And I love that. And it's really, really lovely that people do. Another sort of point of reference in your videos is, and we mentioned Shailene Woodley, his films, yes. um, in particular yeah. Jason Statham films. Um, <laughs> yes. Got a big big love for Crank. Oh, yeah. What a movie. What a film. Um, objectively, I'd say probably the best film I've made. Um, but, yeah, no, I I just, I, I generally, I haven't the last six weeks because I've been in Japan, uh, which is weird because this is the first time I've gone this long without going to the cinema. Normally, I get withdrawal symptoms if i go you know more than three or four days without a trip to cinema um i i watched a, a certifiable lot of films and you know so that sort of seeps into the videos because i think there is a lot of me in there um so my reference points are often you know classic french films or you know like robert de niro doing whatever and that's my reference point for something or like uh, my first the Ospreys video as you mentioned um early on i referred to the Ospreys game plan as being a bit like the spider-man 2 video game on game boy advance yeah that's it um yeah <laughs> and it's like to me that's a really obvious reference point but i recognize there's probably some work to be done for people that especially if you aren't my age or you didn't you know grow up with that as a immediate thing um but they become to me how you explain something separate from saying well it's a bit like this other rugby thing um so yeah, it's sort of using those reference points that I've built up to 
to hopefully explain things in a way that is if if not entertaining or useful at least different exactly because i've tried to to get a crank reference into a piece ever since uh, oh really and i've i've failed so far <laughs> i've managed to paraphrase alan Aww. partridge but um that's that's oh pretty, nice that's just just what did you get in what was the um i think it was uh, it was liquid rugby i'd love to get that one in at some point uh, i think it was can i can i just shock you <laughs> yes i managed to get that into an intro um I don't know why. But, um, <laughs> just point this partridge coach i'm all for that yeah. I might have to try and take up on that. Get get to this point of the job, and you just you just write in anything, um, which is what, <laughs> yeah. what a lot of people say anyway. Um, obviously, the YouTube channel has grown so mm. massively, sort of since you started it. It's it, it's had a, an incredible yeah. rise. Um, what was the point where you suddenly realised, okay, wow, this is this is quite big now? When I came out of you know having been to the cinema, I went to see the new Mission Impossible last year turned my phone back on after the what two and a half hours whatever it was and i had over 200 twitter notifications and a te- you know i just thought okay i'll answer that i'll look at those later that's clearly something's happened um and i had text my brother just saying sam liked your video and it was sam warburton that tweeted that he liked the video i made on him um and twitter had just gone nuts and like all the tweets i had coming in wouldn't load like i was having so many coming in that it was just almost crashing my phone when i tried to refresh it and there were so many people saying lovely things about the video and retweeting and replying to Sam Warburton having liked the video. Um, and that was the moment if I like, oh, actually, this is this is real. You know, like when I'd I'd looked at things and they'd like the Conor Murray video I'd made during the Six Nations before that had done really well. Um, but it's, it's hard in your head to understand how 200,000 people watching a video is that different to 20,000 people watching a video because they're just sort of the numbers, you know, and you get caught up in that because that's more people than I can, I can imagine sitting in a room, you know, sitting together in a theatre watching it or whatever. Um, so that then becomes almost a nonsense, almost the same sort of thing. But actually going like, oh, actually, Sam Warburton, that, that guy you've been cheering for on the TV for the last how many other years, yet he liked it that felt tangible um, and felt like a moment that was, to me, big and weirdly moving. Because I, I sold you on this podcast, I think, largely because I, I promised that I had a Sam Warburton quote about you. Yes. Uh, stuffed away, yeah. which um, I, I'll reveal to you now. Um, okay. Uh, through, through the powers of podcast, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'll probably have to read it to you. And okay. And then in the finished podcast, we'll probably play the quote. So, okay. People at home will hear right. it. You won't. Um, okay. And then you know we'll just pretend that like you did hear it, and it'll, it'll sound good. <laughs> oh, listen back. Wait, I'll have to hear it. Um. Okay. So he said. Yeah, <laughs> that one. I was watching that in those YouTube videos. You don't watch many tribute videos and things, but you think, oh, these guys don't know what they're on about. To be fair to him, like he notices all the stuff that they play. He noticed a lot of the stuff that I did, which a lot of people don't. So, I, so thanks, Squid. You're not sure about. I don't think I met him in person, but appreciate that, mate. <laughs> that's amazing that's it's there was something in like as i was editing that video and often as i'm editing them i worry this is the one i get found out you know i'll have some expert will come in and go oh actually that was a fluke actually he wasn't going for that um but to to hear that actually i did get something right is very reassuring um and lovely and amazing and as I've, i think i've said the word already but surreal um and because you know like 
I I was not a man who spent a lot of time in breakdowns, and I've learned that from watching rugby and from you know having other people explain it and just listening and paying attention and trying to work things out for myself by really paying attention to it. Um, so yeah, and I think he was he was amazing, um, and I tried to you know get that across in the video because I thought he was so important to the way that the Lions played and way it was played and where it was, could be playing you know like now um but yeah and i've rambled a lot there but i got a bit carried away by just the thought of sam warburton remembering the video <laughs> beyond him sending that tweet oh trust me he does um <laughs> and then obviously moving on from that you, you've not just sort of used youtube channel as, as a means for just humor and rugby you've also probably touched on some mm. More important issues, obviously, Israel Falau is something that you've uh, done yeah. a lot on. Um, how important was it for you to, to sort of broach these sort of topics? Well, that was it. I felt I'd built some sort of platform over doing the, the rugby stuff. Um, and the first video had, you know, a, a bit on mental health in it. But other than that, I hadn't really covered anything beyond just calling Falau out a bit. And I think it felt important to me that I did something with the platform I built. And especially as, you know, I've they built this platform as the not to big myself up but it is the biggest like independent rugby youtube channel um and there is therefore a lot of rugby fans who watch it and i didn't want anyone whether they're gay straight whatever to be in a position whereby they felt what israel Folau was saying and doing was representative of rugby as a community and as a sport because it isn't and it is inclusive and it is lovely and wonderful and the the people in it are supportive and welcoming and inclusive um, and, you know, on the whole, often progressive. And it was very important to me that that was reflected. And it was very important to me that I I felt that I had to use my platform that I'd built to do something about that. And I ended up on the Australian news from it, which was surreal. Um, and I ended up, you know, being asked plenty of places and plenty of things. Um and it to me, you know, I had a brief conversation with Nick Keith about the same thing. He was saying like he felt like he was flogging himself, but it was worth doing. Um, and I also felt that as someone who isn't a member of the LGBT community himself, that they had to, there had to be a voice in there that wasn't Nick Keith, Gareth Thomas, Nigel Owens. Um, so yeah, I I felt like it was something important to do. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to wave my own banner and say I'm great for doing it because I think you know anyone in my position should or would have looked to doing the same thing because I'm in a lucky position whereby I don't have a boss to, or I don't have a, I don't have to worry about higher ups, you know, telling me off for taking a position or anything. Um, I can, and therefore I feel like I should respect and showcase what rugby is and should be in the community, how the community acts as a whole. But obviously, be, being on YouTube and being on the internet, when when you do take a stand like that and you you put your head above yeah. the parapet, suddenly you open yourself up to probably a fair bit of abuse and criticism, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's a lot of it. Um, but I think it's quite easy to... I find it quite easy to shake off. I think partly because I've been publishing stuff I've written online since I was nine, ten years old. Uh, partly to say because I've done enough, I've been heckled enough uh, because I, I bullied in school, you know, the whole lot. Um, and it sort of becomes an extension of all of that. And I'm sort of, it doesn't bother me that much when I do get comments, you know, from people who are 
disagreeing with the, the stance I've taken or agreeing with the stance that I was taken, uh, or likewise are, you know, pointing out something about the video being wrong. Um, you'll have days in which they do, days in which it does get to you a bit, um, but that's just, you know, being human. But generally speaking, I feel like I manage it okay, partly just because, as I say, I've got used to doing it for having been publishing stuff I've written or videos I've made or, you know, nothing to this scale of attention before. Um, but since I was, you know, nine, ten years old, and every now and again you'd have, something I was presenting as coming from an adult when actually I was 12, you know, doing it between maths and work, uh, people would react badly and would say this is a bit rubbish. So, yeah, um, I guess I'm sort of used to that. Obviously, let's talk about your background because uh, okay. you are Welsh. Um, yeah. and I, and I, although you, you want rugby to be the winner at the World Cup, you obviously want Wales to be the winner as well. Yes. Oh, imagine. Yeah. I just think I'd cry for about a month. I don't know what I'd do. I sometimes just like I'm walking to the training station or something. I just start imagining Wales winning the World Cup and the thought that it might actually happen. I mean, obviously, it's a long way to go, but it's a lot. Sorry, go on. You're asking a question. Um, so you, you you are Welsh, but you grew up in yeah. Nottingham, is that right? Yes, yeah. Uh, my parents moved there just before I was born. Um, so yeah, my dad's from Ashwood Um But yeah, moved there before I was born. So I am born in Nottingham and raised in Nottingham. Um, but I, I, you know, I've been through Fiji in 2007. <laughs> I, I was there for the 16-0 draw. I've been through all of it, like... I remember once actually when I was, as I mentioned, working for the the uni, having graduated, um, I was doing an event and I was next to the representative from Cardiff Uni the day after uh, or the Monday after the uh, last World Cup when Wales knocked England out. And he was quite dismissive because I'd lived in England my whole life of me being a Wales fan. Um, when this guy was like a casual, he'd watch the World Cup, he'd watch the old Six Nations game. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I watch the Dragons play every week. Like, you've got to give me this high. You can't, you, you, you've got to let me use the word us. Don't be sniffy with me about that. Um, so yeah, I, I feel as proud, even though, you know, I've lived in England pretty much my entire life. I feel as proudly Welsh, especially in a rugby regard as is possible to be. And now you're out in Japan. Yeah. Watching them yeah. live. How, how, long, yeah. how long had you been planning that trip? I'd been planning on coming since I'd been thinking about it since before the last World Cup and I started saving a bit. And then it was during the last World Cup. There were two or three moments just of like, I, uh, I went to Namibia, Argentina in Leicester and um, afterwards I ended up playing touch with some Argentine fans randomly. Um, and there were a few moments like New Zealand Georgia game in Cardiff, which was amazing. The atmosphere was amazing. Where I was just like, actually, if this is happening again in four years time, I need to be there. And I've always wanted to go to Japan. So, and I pretty much decided on the moment during the last World Cup that I'm going to save everything I've got to make sure I can make it to Japan. Um, so it's been in my head for about five years and I've been dead set on this for four. Um, and so it's amazing to be out here and to be actually, oh, it's real. And I'm actually most of the way into this trip. So, so how long how long are you out there for? Is it duration or? Uh, six weeks. So I'm out for the, I was out for about just under two weeks before it started. So I had a chance to look around Japan and do some touristy things. And then for the pool stages, um, although I've had a, a conversation with my brother about trying to get hold of tickets for Wales, France and him fly out for the quarterfinals as well. But no, the current, the plan at moment is to return next week oh, to the UK. Brilliant. And it's not just a sort it's not a jolly, is it? It's not a holiday. You've also been uh, 
doing a fair bit of work, producing videos, yeah. doing stuff for World Rugby. Yeah, that's got to be pretty busy, yeah. busy, isn't it? Oh, no, it's been absolutely manic, yeah. So I've made just an absurd amount of videos. I've like started a spreadsheet just so I can keep track of how much I've made. Um, and then on top of it, yeah, I've done some bits for World Rugby. Um, so some bits I'd done before I went out, but I've also, you know, I once I just ran into them in the street and they had me do some bits. A couple of times they've called me in to do things. I'm doing a bit more for them next week. Um, so that's been great. That's been really nice as well. And to be a part of their channel and for them to be willing to, you know, to look outside their familiar bubble and to look to someone doing slightly weird stuff on YouTube and to, you know, allow me to be a part of what they're doing as a as a wider and as their you know their main product they're pushing which has been great probably didn't expect to be in videos anytime soon with john Kerwin and people like that no no especially on i was on the thumbnail of a video that had like will greenwood brian banner john Kerwin, and then there was me on the thumbnail so i'm a bigger sell uh which did not make sense to me but there we go i have not won a world cup it's like it's like Jack White all trying to you know get into YouTube, isn't it? It's, it, it mm. You got you, you know you got to know what YouTube likes. Yeah, it's not it's yeah, not, it's not the big celebrities. It's it's the YouTube stars. Yeah, yeah, and people you know that respect and know the format, I guess, and are willing to do something with it. I guess it's like the Will Ferrell podcast thing as well that just didn't really work because he was using it as more money making opportunity than a. And as, you know, as an extension of things he's done in the past, rather than as a podcast. Speaking of that, do, do you feel sort of part of of the YouTube community? Because it's a, it's a really sort of booming thing at the minute, and mm. it almost feels like mainstream media doesn't really understand it. Do, do, do you feel that you're sort of yeah? Do you feel part of that community and maybe not fully understood by the mainstream? <laughs> well. Or any of us, um, <laughs> sort, sort of. Um, I think because the nature of it is that you know I'm self-employed. I live and work on my own and everything. Um, so I don't. I haven't met other people who. I've had a couple of like odd phone conversations with people who do similar things in rugby to me. So I've spoken to ten fourteen and so on. Um, but I don't think I've met any other people that make YouTube videos full time. Um, so I suppose it's hard to be a part of a community there, but I do know what you mean in terms of my job basically doesn't exist in the mainstream world. Um, and it's like, it wasn't until I was mentioned in the telegraph that my mum stopped sending me PhD application forms. Um, <laughs> and even then every now and again, every now and again, she'll send me a job. It's like, actually, no, I'm, I'm doing okay for myself here. It's been, it's been a while um, since you've been in the telegraph. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Like oh, that was a full few weeks ago. Come on. Um, so yeah, I. It is also strange, you know, when whenever I meet someone new and they do the what should be a standard boring like, oh, so what do you do? Question, and I've got to sort of, sort of awkwardly fumble around. Oh, well, I I make YouTube videos, and then we've got to try and explain them as a sort of comedy rugby analysis, um, and especially like I, you know. I've mentioned in things before, but like I run a poetry night. Um, so if I'm meeting a group of poets who are not expecting anyone there to be interested in rugby, um, it's a difficult thing to try and explain. But yeah, um, that's sort of m- more the challenge, I guess, is that people don't think people know objectively that there is such a thing as a YouTuber. I think they imagine it's just it's Zoella 
and you know PewDiePie and it's like there's, there's like six of them and they live in these castles and they have teams of people and everything is sparkly and perfect uh not that this slightly hairy man from you know living in like a, a corner flat in these midlands um is doing it as well i guess what are your sort of plans for the future now for the channel obviously um copyright's probably proven a bit of issue hasn't it in the last year yeah um i've sort of everything's been building for me since before i started the channel i had ideas of what i want to do for the world cup and i settled targets with the world cup in mind um so i still need to properly sit down and plan things exactly i've sort of got vague plans through to the six nations um and i want to try and work out I want to take a few weeks off when the World Cup finishes and work out in that time exactly what I'm going to do both in that time leading up to the Six Nations and afterwards um, because I've got some ideas and I've got some things I want to try and push and some different directions I want to go in and different kinds of things I want to try. Um, And I've been waiting until after the World Cup was done to try and build with those and try and just throw myself into those slightly different things. Um, But yeah, I quite like to try and do some reflections on the smaller teams and how they've done the World Cup once this is done and look at, you know, how did Uruguay develop and play like that? And how did you know Russia pre- probably perform above expectations for people? So I'd like to look at those stories because they probably will get washed away a bit once the quarterfinals begin. Um, so yeah, there's a few bits like that, and then there's a few other things that I'm I don't necessarily want to not to be difficult, but I want to say out loud in case I don't do them or in case they fall through or whatever. I've got ideas of just not going in a completely different direction, but just trying some other bits to go alongside what I do at the moment. Do you see that being on YouTube or, or, or is sort of, you obviously moved to Vimeo now for the world cup just because of copyright reasons. Do you see that maybe being yeah. sort of home now? How do you sort of see um, that playing out? Oh, the, the plan is to, um, it should be the case, fingers crossed that a, a couple of weeks, a month after the world cup, Basically, it's not World Rugby themselves. It's a team of lawyers they hire every four years to sort of protect their brand and so on um, that is taking the videos down. And once they're out of contract, my plan is to put the videos up on YouTube and to continue there as was. Um, Pardon me. uh, Rather than moving platform. Um, I've got some of the things I'd like to do in different platforms and different formats and so on. Uh, But yeah, by and and large, rather, it's to move back to YouTube would be the plan. Have you considered sort of any other sort of project, like a like a podcast? Because uh, there's not enough rugby podcasts at the minute. Um. <laughs> no, there's not. Uh, me and my brother had an idea for one that hasn't been done, and we were going to try and do that before the World Cup, but just I I couldn't find the time, um, so we didn't manage to get it done. But I've got that on the back burner. I've got again a few other sort of ideas for just playing with things that have been done before, or playing with things to do. Um, and just see where things go, see how things develop from here. Uh, as you say, there are a lot of rugby podcasts that are covering the week's action, so if it was, it would be something different to that, so yeah. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. And you mentioned uh, Uruguay uh, just then. I feel like you're probably... Yes. Probably the only Welshman who probably knows about Uruguayan rugby who's not currently involved in, in the Wales setup. Um, and that's, that's that's testament to the amount of research you do for the videos. Just mm. how many sort of hours go into to a research for the videos and then the editing side? Uh, quite a lot. So the the research, for example, for the um, 
Russia and Uruguay, I'd watched a few of their games from the last you know year or so. Um, I went back and caught up on quite a few more that I hadn't seen. Uh, I went, I only watched them once. You know, I didn't. If I'm say doing a video on a game, I'll normally watch it two, through three or four times, no, two or three times, and then additionally go back through passages that I think are interesting or go back through bits far more than that. Um, whereas with those, yeah, I, I watched them back and I also did quite a lot of reading on um, Uruguay and rugby. So I'd normally just in sort of a, you know, obvious place to start, start on Wikipedia and try and read the references from there and spin off as far as I could. Um, so sometimes that leads me to the point whereby when I did the video on Georgia, I ended up reading, you know, like 400 pages of Georgian epic poetry from the 16th century uh, because I thought there might be some useful reference to scrummaging in there and there wasn't. Um but yeah, so that's all time consuming. And then actually the, the writing process is sort of the thing I'm familiar with, the thing I, I, I've i always done. Uh, but then I like to redraft quite a lot. That's just how I write. Um, and then beyond that, once you get into the editing of the video, it used to be that it took about an hour and a half to two hours per minute on screen. I've got that down quite a bit now. Um, and especially during the World Cup, because I'm trying to turn around far quicker as on the Vimeo stuff. Um, I'm down quite a lot below that so it's probably taking me below an hour solidly yeah below an hour per minute um maybe down to like half an hour because i'm putting in far fewer little jokes and captions and so on um so yeah it's normally it's very time consuming and when i go back to when i'm back in the uk i'll probably uh for the quarterfinals and so on resort back to a bit more of the old format and especially after the world cup again it'll probably go back up but at the moment, I'm managing my time a bit better um, and it's taking less time. But normally, yeah, a lot of it, a lot of time. But then it shines through, doesn't it? Because I remember when Uruguay did beat Fiji, I had, yes. a quick, had a quick look on Twitter and the vast majority of people are crediting you for sort of knowing some of the Uruguayan <laughs> players before it, yeah, before, you know, as the game was going on. Um, and also for pointing out the... Um, was it the film Alive? Is it Ethan Hawke? Is that the one? Yes. That's the yeah, one, yeah, 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 yeah. Which yeah. again is is a nice film reference in one of your videos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bit of Ethan Hawke. I crammed loads of other Ethan Hawke movies into that video as well, um, for no real good reason, but just it amused me. But like I did Radiohead songs or Radiohead albums in one video as well. I just crammed a load of them in. Um, but yeah, no, I I like the Uruguay team, and I liked watching them both when I was catching up before and then the, the little round robin tournament they did with Namibia and Russia in the summer and Uruguay A, no, um, Argentina A. Uh, I thought they were great and they became my favourite team in there and they've quickly grown to be my second team after Wales. It's almost a shame to be facing them on Sunday. I'm, there's a part of me considering just turning up in a Namibia, no, in a Uruguay shirt just to be contrary and just to show, actually, I, I, they've really won me over this tournament and I think they've been fantastic. As I said, there are loads of players I liked. Um, in the same way, the Russia teams also have players I like, but the Uruguay players have really gone out and they've played some positive rugby and some really endearing and heartfelt rugby and I've loved it. I've really enjoyed watching them. I suppose considering that we've got a great analytical mind on the podcast, we should actually speak a bit about the rugby that's been taking place. What, what have you made of the World Cup so far? I think it's been a good tournament. I think it's been a good entertainment. We've had the two big upsets, obviously, which have been the two highlights um, for me. I think we've seen a reasonable amount of teams holding things back, uh, more so than in past World Cups, I think. But I think that's just the way rugby's been heading. I think it's been heading towards a point in which teams are analysing each other closer than ever before. Um, so you see little 
twists or maybe it's just you know i'm paying far more attention now but it feels like with each world cup um the the margins get tighter and tighter and or at least the things that lead to those margins are that doesn't make any sense of the sentence um but the the things that are causing one team to be another are smaller and smaller anyway um so i'm really interested to see where this goes and say like, like england have been slowly building adding bits onto their game as they went um and similarly wales have been pulling like one or two bits out as they go and the all blacks it feels like basically they pulled out an attacking kicking game which they hadn't used in a rugby championship against south africa um and then they've sort of resorted back to what they were doing in the rugby championship since. So it feels like they've probably got more they're hiding. Um, and I'm really interested to see how this builds. It might be. This is all wrong. You know, and there's actually they haven't been hiding anything back. But yeah, it's a it's been a really endearing competition, I think, from a tier two perspective, because they've all really given it their role. Um, even Canada, bless them. Um, and from a tier one perspective it's been interesting because you've been seeing each one try and do the same thing, but approach it in different ways. Uh, and it is still open and still tight. And obviously we got the news this morning that um, I think two of the games have been cancelled this weekend because of the yeah. typhoon, um, which obviously isn't ideal from a rugby perspective. No. But look, looking forward, it actually makes things quite interesting for the quarterfinals because now you've got England going in as group yeah. winners. but. They haven't really been tested and they'll they'll head into that quarterfinal against Australia without having played rugby for, well, o- over a week, nearly yeah, two weeks. Yeah, but then also, but also you can take that as they've had extra time to recover and prepare. And they now know pretty much, you know, unless Wales have a freak loss to a heroic Uruguay, they know they're facing Australia. So they've got two weeks to prepare for their opposition and to rest up. Absolutely, yeah. Um mm. And what have you made of, of Wales in particular? Um, because it's three wins from three is you know it's it's yeah. it's far better than any World Cup I can remember so far. You know it's looking like they're yeah. going to win the well they are going to win the pool stage unless yeah. there's a freak de- defeat to uh, Uruguay um, for the first time since 1999. It puts us on course for a decent quarter final against France, and, yeah. and then suddenly the tournament's really sort of opening up. But what, what have you made of them? Yeah, tactically because we've. We've seen some interesting stuff from Wales at times. Yeah. Um, I think the Georgia game was interesting in as much as clearly Gatland had two or three plays that he knew would beat Georgia and he knew the areas to beat Georgia. Um, and he just used them. So we saw that inside ball off the, the mall a lot because Georgia put there, uh, normally defend with, you know, uh, two front rowers at the back of the ta- Taylor line out um, so all they had to do was draw the 10 and bam Adams went through twice and they scored twice off the same move similarly um, they just had to sort of split the way Kasharava defends very flat off the uh, in the 13 channel uh, which normally works really well for him and you saw the way he was magnificent against the All Blacks four years ago because he stood so flat and he read it in that way and they just split them completely with a Jonathan Davis try um, and I think there's a few things like that and the way he he used Gareth Davis as that sort of intercept missile. Um, he slowed down the Australian ball and prevented them generating quick ball. Well, it would have had they not gone through it anyway and just, you know, bloody mindedly forced themselves on. Um, and there's clearly, there's bits he's developed for each team. And I know he said that, um, he said that he hasn't been thinking at the quarterfinals, hasn't been looking at the opposition. I, I believe Gatlin's probably got a plan for all of the, 
big five other contenders and he's probably got some idea of what he'll do against them and it feels like he spent the last 18 months basically building the base of a game um and then having all of these extra bits he can just latch onto it because he's got a really solid foundation that won the six nations um you know three of those games were built on those foundations rather than there being the extra bits in there you know it's only really ireland and england where i felt there were huge twists on what wales do as a foundation um yeah, so I I feel like more than any other team, Ireland come close, but this Wales team is Gatland and is the players basically trying to do what Gatland sets out. Um, and that, you know, that's part of the problem last night was I felt they didn't manage that and that was, well, certainly for the first 20 minutes, things weren't going according to plan. And that was a bit worrying. Um, but hopefully that's out of the system. But it's, yeah, it's hard to say. Will there be a video on the Wales-Fiji game? There's going to have to be, isn't there? When I can dare to watch it back. I was torn when the game finished, when I got back, between watching it right away and getting it over with and just trying to understand what happened or just not thinking about it at all. Um, and in the end, I fell somewhere in the middle and ended up just sort of you know, having a long conversation with my brother about what was it, what went wrong, how do we feel about this now? Do we still feel we've got a chance at the World Cup? Um, and I feel slightly better about it now than I did at full time when I did feel distraught well happy with the result happy with the fact we came through the bonus point but it still it felt like oh we've thrown ourselves off there like things aren't working in the way we want them to be yeah I think it was just just lack control didn't we I don't think we ever really yeah we never really apart from that seven minutes before the second try where we had quite a lot of scrum yeah. we never looked like we were in control of that match but then yeah absolutely. I suppose you know you, you look at Welsh rugby in the past and as with the Australia game even though we didn't yeah. really control them, they're games we would have lost in the past. So I suppose that's exactly. a positive in itself. Yeah. And, and, now and you've we got... came through with a bonus point as well. Exactly. Sorry, go on. And now, you, now you've got Ben Volavola to, to be in the video, so it's like... <laughs> My best friend, first, Ben Volavola. First, yeah. first ten Sorry, minutes, sir. you know, the first five minutes have written themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, as you said, I think that's so much of it. Now, how the Six Nations in the autumn happened was we just slowly built this winning mentality and that's so crucial going into a World Cup and going to the knockouts is that we know how to win games, which is something that no matter how good a Wales team I've seen in the past, we've never known. And like that 2011 team, I I hold probably still wouldn't have won that game without if Warburton hadn't been sent off that France game um, maybe if Adam Jones hadn't gone off injured but it just they didn't they weren't composed enough and really I think this Wales team even if they did go man down would have won that game because they know how to win and they've just they've got that mentality definitely yeah um, bit of a tough question for you would you rather Wales win okay. the World Cup or Alan Wynne yeah. Jones likes one of your videos <laughs> I know Wales win the World Cup. I mean, it would be be a huge moment personally for me. Um, Let's be fair, <laughs> but I take yeah. If Wales win the if, World Cup, he'll 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 naturally like the video that you make on it. He'd be a monster. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Wales winning the World Cup would make Alan Wynn happy as well. And truly, what kind of fan would I be if I put my happiness over both of ours? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the mark of a true Welsh rugby fan. <laughs> Um, the true mark of a true world rugby fan is wanting us to win the World Cup. It sounds obvious, yeah. it sounds obvious yeah. when you say it like that, but yeah, you know, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, sorry to be difficult.
I think it's enough of my questions, um, but we have got plenty of questions off Twitter, so let's um, let's rattle through cool, these. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this one's from okay. Reese Knott. Have you taken your boots with you to yeah. Japan? And what are you like as an emergency fly half cover? <laughs> Terrible. Uh, <laughs> I I've played fly half once. It was in a Boxing Day. Um, I hadn't played rugby in about four years. I hadn't made contact rugby. I hadn't played touch in years. Um, my first touch came in at 10, was, you know, all looking good. And then the referee let a guy who was literally behind me, that's how offside he was, tackle me. Uh, and it, I, I knocked it on. And that was my first touch of fly half. And that was about the highlight of my career at 10. Um, that isn't a very good story, now I tell it. Um, but yeah, not good. Not good is the answer. Uh, so I deliberately forgot my boots in case the situation came up. I, th- I think you're still on the bench on Sunday, um, <laughs> given given the injuries. So yes, yeah, so this is from David Shoulders. Um, as two of the most influential Welsh rugby geeks who seem to live and breathe the game, I'd like to know where do you like to find your rugby news slash entertainment slash post-match analysis? Um, not really sure why he's banded me in with you there, to be honest. Uh that's, or, or that's likewise, do we? Yeah. Indeed. Uh, but you, you, you take that question. So, yeah, where, where do you sort of like to find? That's three different sections there: rugby news, um, entertainment, and analysis. Yeah, I take a lot of it from. We mentioned Reddit already. Um, I do like the rugby news subreddit, and I like the fact that it is thrown up quite a lot, and there's quite a lot of discussion there. Um, and it is, you know, it's people who know who Merrow Sherikadzer is a lot of the time, uh, which is lovely, which is great. Um, you can occasionally mention a tier two player and someone will recognize it because of just the breadth of people there. Um, so I call it that for news and discussion, I guess. Um, and then I, I think the ten fourteen are excellent. I think they're great. A lot of their stuff's now sort of behind a New Zealand paywall because they've been picked up by Sky Sports and then Spark Sports. So I thought they were fantastic. Um, there's, I'm sure there's loads more that will be coming to mind. Um, I again this I've listened to this podcast in the past I've listened to the, the scrum five uh, blood and mud I listen to every week and I've been on a couple of times um so yeah there's I don't know whether I should be plugging rival podcasts on on here oh, that's fine. but um I've I've just done it yeah yeah do you want um I mean <laughs> I'm not sure Wales online is the most popular on the rugby reddit anyway so I don't know what you, you could be damaging your reputation <laughs> that's true completely that's um, that's fair. Whenever, that's I, fair. whenever I've dipped into the, the rugby Reddit, I soon have to leave. I'm like, oh, I forgot. I forgot. I hate. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, yeah, I better answer the question. I think for me, it's yeah, videos like yourself, um, and then yeah, people like Murray Kinsella and Charlie Morgan. Um, yes, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah, who are both Alex Shaw as well? Who are amazing. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. I, I, I've never actually met Alex Shaw. I've met obviously I've met the other two, but. Mm. Everyone, mm. everyone I meet is always like, I've never met Alex Shaw. So I, I, I've, I don't, I've, I don't know anyone who's ever met him. But he just seems to sort of. He, just <laughs> he seems, is a ghost. Just, just seems to go about, his, go about his business and and do a great job. Is it Bedford? He's just. It's one of the championship clubs. Uh, that just picked him up Ealing, as a Ealing Trail scout. Ealing, Ealing, of course, yes, which is a great appointment. Like he is. I've never come across anyone else who knows as much about age grade rugby as as he does. No. Yeah. And as I say, like Murray Kinsella and Charlie Morgan are both incredible. And I've learned so much from reading their stuff uh, before I started doing this. And, you know, now that I am, it's great to sort of, if I've gone through a game and I've picked up on point A, B and C to read someone else's analysis and they've 
noticed something completely different. Um, or there's a few times I've felt massively verified in what I've done by going, oh, I realised the same thing Murray Kinsella did. <laughs> oh, I know, I know exactly what, <laughs> what you mean. What a great job I've done. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. exactly how I feel when I do it. Yeah. Uh, next question is from Carwin J. Thomas. Uh, is Squidge your first name or your surname, or is it Squidge Squidge? Uh, and how far can you see <laughs> how far can you see Wales going in this World Cup? Um, it's my middle name. I'm a bit like Lee Halfpenny or Scott Williams, uh, and I use it as my given name. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. Um, it was it was something that my dad would call me as a kid, um, and. I guess I started using it as sort of part of an online username when I was in my earliest teens. Um, and it, yeah, and it felt when I was thinking through names of the channel, I sort of, I considered calling it like 22 Dropout Rugby or one of these generic names that, you know, so many blogs and so on called. Um, and I just find those kind of boring names and kind of, I mix them up all the time. So I wanted to do something different. And the moment I thought, I could call it Squid Rugby. I was like, great, perfect, done. And did not think of any further names beyond that. Um, and you have a question, how far can Wales go in the tournament? I I hate to say that I think we've actually, I think this is Wales' best shot at winning a World Cup. Um, and I hate to say that. And now I've said it out loud, it definitely won't happen and we will lose to Uruguay. Yeah, maybe. But let's just, just, just you know, hedge your bets, say it's New Zealand's best chance, England's best chance, South Africa's best chance. <laughs> but but not the French. I le- yeah. <laughs> but not the French. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Japan's best chance, certainly. How how do you feel it will go? How do you feel as someone else that is heavily into it? Um, how I think semi-finals definitely. Um, and then yeah. from there, I'd be disappointed if not. Oh, same. Um, and then South Africa in the semi-finals. I don't know what to make of South Africa because it feels like I don't want to use the word, but South Africa feel like the hipsters mm. sort of. Prediction, like yeah. every, everyone sort of went. I'm not going to say New Zealand for the tournament, so I'll, I'll say South Africa. Like that's like that's putting your neck yeah. on the block. Um, yeah, I don't know. They didn't. They didn't look. I, they weren't ruthless against the All Blacks, and I, I think, yeah, you know, Wales have beaten them four at the last five times, and I back Warren Gatland exactly. in the game plan to get by them. Yeah, and same sort of thing. And like I, when they beat the All Blacks last year, I had a sudden feeling about them winning the World Cup. And actually, I feel it less now because I think they're. I think that was a show that if you underestimate them, they will turn out of a huge performance and they can do it. And now people are not going to underestimate them because they've pulled almost too many of those big performances for their own good. Um, and now people view them as the second best team. Um, you know, regardless of whether Wales are ranked there, whether Ireland were ranked first, people view South Africa as probably the second biggest threat. Uh, them and England, you know, but that's partly. That's the whole other thing. Um, yeah, so I I feel less confident of Africa than I did a year ago, weirdly, despite them being, having actually probably improvement from them, become far more consistent, certainly. Yeah, well, what's interesting yeah. is the sort of, you look at some of the teams who have probably peaked too early, like Ireland. It's, it's weird yeah. how teams have peaked for this tournament. Like England, England fell off a cliff and then have somehow managed yeah. to climb back in a short space yeah. of time. Ireland looked like world beaters a year ago and have just been completely sort of found out. Yeah. And some, and someone like Wales just ticked along sort of steadily. It's just weird how teams have peaked so differently for this tournament. Yeah, I'd be really interested to hear 
what Eddie Jones is once he's finished and once he's done, what his plan with the whole thing was. Because when he came in, it felt like he had a very clear plan, and I could sort of see part of it. Um, and then there was that period in the middle when it looked like actually he's lost it and he's lost track of what he's doing or what he's doing stopped working. Um, and then there were points in the last year where you've kind of gone, actually, what is he doing? Does this fit into the, what I thought was the plan? So his selections at Scrum Off, um, which have seemed mad on the whole, and yet it's, it's, it's worked because Willie Hines has played well and he's clearly just wants that kind of player on the bench. But it's, yeah, I'm really... <laughs> I can speculate and I can attempt to pick things out from what I'm noticing in games and what he's saying in press conferences. But I I want to read in a year's time, whatever, when he's or a couple of years time, whenever he's done with England, I want to read a book by him on his time. I want to read what actually went on and what his plan was and what his entire thought process was, because I think that's really interesting. He's saying, right? As you said, they, they fell off that cliff and yet here they are having rebuilt nicely. I don't know whether that was part of the plan. I don't, I don't really know. I, I did read something some one of the English journalists wrote which sort of mm. suggested that Eddie Jones had to sort of break England down completely to then rebuild him in his own image, yeah. which, I don't know, part of me felt just like that sounds like a typical thing an English journalist would write uh, now, yes. that, now that England have like yeah. beaten, beaten Wales and Ireland in warm-up games. But um, yeah. Yeah, it, it could yeah. be true. Uh, we'll have to wait for the film. There'll, there'll be a film <laughs> when they get to Morrison back out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only work he's going to get these days. Just playing Eddie yeah. Jones in four-year cycles. A trilogy of Eddie Jones movies. They should have started with the Saracens years. Oh, they should have. Or had a you know bit on him losing the final in two thousand and three, and that maybe that can be they can have a flashback to that at the start of the England movie. At the start of the the Red Rose Miracle, whatever they end up calling it, oh, that'd be that is what they'd call it, and it would be awful, wouldn't it? I'd, I'd be careful because I think you're going to get roped in to write it. I think that's coming, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm a few weeks and one Hollywood agent accidentally downloading this podcast away from this career move. I mean, Sh- I hear Shailene Woodley's got a great English accent. <laughs> she can play Eddie Jones. She can do it. She can pull it off. Indeed, she can. Um, and starring Ben Volavola as Owen Farrell. <laughs> he'll have he'll have a goal kicking double. Um, <laughs> uh, another- it's, it's actually, now I say it, Ben Volavola does look like someone doing an impression of a world class fly half. Someone pointed that out during the um, his goal kicking against. It could have been against us. Someone said. Ben Volavola looks mm. like someone doing an impression of Dan Carter goal kicking without the results. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like when you see someone, it's not like a professional impersonator. It's like someone that does one in a bar and you go, that's just better than I was expecting. But they're still not good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> same, same Don't give El- up the day job. But. Like Elton Yantes, his goal kicking, I just I can't believe oh, yeah. how tedious that was. It go- I wonder if they could have hit 100 if not for how long he takes over every kick because that probably ate up most of the game it did it did and I enjoyed that he missed the first one doing that and then yeah. the ref was like oh, come on Elton you, you know yeah. speed it up and then he just started doing a short and run up <laughs> yeah. if you're going to waste our time at least get it right exactly I know, I know it's only Canada but come on <laughs> it's principles yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> you wouldn't have played it the other way around and Canada took like three minutes, ten minutes, the entire half over their kick just to run the clock down. I'd have loved it. Yeah. I'd have absolutely loved it as a, as a purist. <laughs> yes. Um, we got more <laughs> Would have been great. Got more questions okay. about the name as well. Uh, Lloyd Davis asks, why do you find it so hard to say Squidge at the start of each video? <laughs> <laughs> It's a difficult word to say. Uh, <laughs> I, that was one of these things that just came into my head of like, cool, that can be an introduction because I didn't want to do a, a long, like, tedious... Maybe because about the time I was watching True Detective and the opening title was about four minutes long. Um, but I didn't want a really long opening sequence because I find them really dull on YouTube. I want something that was like five seconds at most. Um, and then you're into it. You're into it actually watching the video. Uh, and yeah, I sort of had oh, I could make that noise. And I made that noise to a microphone, did literally one take and was like, cool, that'll work. And every now and again, I tried to do another bit to replace it. Like I was going to do a me doing a similar voice singing World of U- World in Union for the <laughs> World Cup. Um, I recorded it. It sounded a bit rubbish. I didn't use it. Um, be- and be- I just keep going pa- back to that. Better than Paloma Faith. <laughs> it was actually very similar. Um, <laughs> Um, next question is uh, from Matt Masindi. What is your Welsh starting back row for the knockouts? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I'd go <laughs> uh, Ellis Jenkins, Sam Warburton, Toby Faletau. Um But obviously, unfortunately, yeah. we've lost we've lost all of them. Um, so Tipperick obviously starts. He has to be in there. And I like Hubby a lot, but I think last night we did miss Tipperick. Um, and then... Beyond that, I think Moriarty had a big game last night. And I think prior to that, I would have gone with Wainwright and Nividi. But he might have played himself into contention. Though I do like the thought of him angry coming off the bench. Um, so I think I might go Wainwright and Nividi with Tiverick. There we go. Um, Adam Dickinson asks, would you rather see England or Israel Falau win the World Cup? England. Oh, England. Because in, it's yeah, England are a, are my least favourite team. Israel Falau is a number of things I presume I can't say on this podcast. And I think it's that's bigger than rugby. You know, it's like it's, I'd, I'd rather my least favourite rugby team in the competition win it than a man that I think is despicable and using his platform for uh, just horrid things and to promote bigotry and hate so yeah um, England absolutely yeah. I've never said I want England to win the World Cup so many times no that's, that's I've never said it that's going to be like that's <laughs> going to be like that audio is going to be chopped and it's going to be like spread around Reddit and Twitter and yeah god I might just killed, I'd love I might, it if... I might have killed your YouTube career I apologise <laughs> and everything I can never show my face in Cardiff again probably not but um I mean, there's worse, there's, there's worse things. Uh, there's someone who lives there. There's worse things. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, SABC2 asks, how have the rugby yeah, bosses... There's worse things, but I can't show my face in Newport either. Oh, um, I'm not going to get drawn on that one. Uh, yeah, fair had, enough. We've had on. one dig at, we've had a dig, at, dig at the dragons in this podcast. I can't be, I can't be knocking Gwent too much. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. Sorry, move on. You're reading a question. SABC2 asks, how have the rugby bosses, Six Nations, Sansa, uh, World Rugby, handled the footage yeah. copyright issues, and do you think they understand this content is in the interest of the game? 
Um, the Six Nations came round to, I think, entirely to their credit. Initially, not so much. Uh, the, the first few emails I had from them and their initial decision to actually take the videos down and to you know, put strikes against the channel uh, was alarming and perhaps suggested otherwise. You know, I feel it's not for me to say whether it's in the spy feel it is. Um, but they did once they saw the reaction from fans and once they saw that this mattered to people, they completely came round and you know spoke to me. They immediately rang me and uh, had like an open dialogue and had everything taken down inside about 48 hours or so that was great and they came around completely um and world rugby similarly like the, the world rugby media people i've spoken to quite a few people from there and from their own legal team and they understand it completely it's just this independent team of lawyers that they hire uh, that have a job to do and basically they're part of the agreement is they can't they can't fairly sell the rights to itv for i think it's like 60 million or something they sold it for um if they're then letting me continue on, you know, that's the lawyer's position, even though, again, off the record, but I've had people from World Rugby praising my videos and saying they really enjoy them, and hence offering me work and asking me to do things for their shows. So, yeah, I think the people that are involved in the rugby side, far more so than the people that are separate and only understand it as a piece of content, a piece of IP. Okay, um... We should probably get into more serious questions now than copyright issues. Uh, so Tom Bradley Watson wants to know, would you rather have a fight with a duck the size of a horse or a hundred mm. horses the size of a duck? It's the age-old question. Hundreds, hundreds, duck, horses the size of a duck. Um, as someone who is Good not choice. the size of a horse... Good choice. Um, I, yeah, you can slowly break it down. You, can, you, know, you can work your way through a few of them. Uh, it also doesn't say how far apart you're fighting them. I could fight one duck-sized horse a week yeah. for two years and that'd be fine that just become part of my routine every thursday i'd wake up i'd kill a horse the size of a duck then i'd go back to bed and i'd eventually get up and get on with it um yeah i i'm fairly sound in saying that what makes up were you the same side um yeah either i I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd go with you um yeah also i just think the duck the size of a horse is, is just a horrifying image yeah, um, the size of the bill. If it was a rubber you duck, chance. I like I like the idea yeah. of a rubber duck because I'm I'm I love that That's one true. that one vine of the uh, the big the giant rubber duck floating on a river in London and just coming through yes. the bridge. Uh, I'm obsessed yes. with that. So if it if it's a rubber duck, I'll take it on. Um, but if I, it's a rubber duck, yeah, and I'll just sing the Sesame Street song to it and see if it works. Could could it could work? Um, we got, what other serious questions have we got? Uh, James Slawson asks, "What is your go-to meal deal?" Again, it's you know, it's Ooh. it's 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 important stuff. Yeah. So, Tesco normally I go for tuna and sweet corn sandwich, um, and then normally Pepsi Max, which I think is the definitive of the the various colas. Um, and then it depends. It depends on the day. Um, I often tend to go for just. Posher crisps. I'll go for a. Um, I've, I've actually, I've been out of the UK so long, I've forgotten the name of crisp brands. Um, the, 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 the posh, the, yeah, the kind of crisp where they call it malt vinegar rather than just salt and vinegar. Oh, Tyrrells. Um, Is it Tyrrells? Yeah, like yeah, Tyrrells or the other one. Um, 
whatever i'll always if they're on the meal deal i'll go for posh crisp because it feels like a bit of a treat you know you're not just going for standard issue walkers just it feels like you're getting your money's worth out of your free quid yeah exactly. if you're going for exactly or you're like not, you're not you're not funding gary some, lineker <laughs> exactly yeah to, to say things about the hacker um <laughs> or, or, or i look at sometimes some some shops will offer a triple sandwich on the meal deal which is like 240 on its own absolute steal always go for that De- depending on the sandwiches but usually go for that <sighs> but if you get a triple sandwich um yeah do you ever sit there and wonder obviously because it's, it's three halves of a sandwich who's eating the other half yeah. of this one sandwich because someone else in the world is eating the other <sighs> half of your sandwich yeah <laughs> you fast forward a few years yeah. and you're married to that person that's how it works that, that again hollywood career here i've just written a setup for a rom-com in 20 seconds the moment i'm done here's my follow-up to the ben volavola story um, i'd pay to watch that's a film a, that's where, a tar- where, you know the, the setup is they once you know they had the same tesco sandwich <laughs> they want you a sandwich yeah <laughs> i no, I I've never thought of it like that, and now I will never eat another. I, I I'll never eat another triple sandwich again. Thank you. Something something that was pointed out on Twitter, and since then I've just not been able to, to not think about it whenever I eat one. Um, <laughs> just keeps me yeah. up, keeps me up at night. So who's, yeah, who's, who's yeah, keep me up. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna be going back through every triple sandwich I've ever had. The one I had in a service station in on the way to Cardiff a few years ago. <sighs> Who had the other half of that one? What you can do is just buy two, and then just just lie, lie to yourself and say, "This is this is three sandwiches cut in half." This is, and, the, um, this is the same bread. You just you just tell yourself, just tell yourself, and that that's how you sleep at night. <laughs> um, it's it's pesto pasta for me with McCoy's crisps and okay. uh, and that uh, that mango drink. I don't know what oh, it's called. The water stuff. The yeah yeah oh those are all solid chows. The the vitamin water. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I find just the tuna and sweet corn weirdly I like as a breakfast food. I'll often have it as like my first thing in the morning. If I you know, if I'm out early in the morning, I've got to go up early. This shouldn't work, but it does. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh the final question then, uh comes from Kevin Henderson. Have you ever been approached by any team to be their analyst? If not, why not? Um I've been approached by a couple of universities. About it, and I'm just—I'm genuinely not really very interested, and I also don't think I'm—I'm I'm not that kind of you know the, the analysis I do is a bit to digest about teams that I've watched you know countless games on. Um, I wouldn't really be interested in heading down as a career as well because I'm far more interested in the the presentation side, I guess, in doing the. <laughs> If they're all turning up their video, you know, their, their video analysis meetings on the Monday morning, and it's full of stupid jokes by Jason Statham films, I don't know how well that'd go down. Um, I think university, that's the side rugby, I'm less university rugby would love that. That's true, actually. Maybe I should have considered it. Um, but yeah, I I feel slightly less inclined towards that than I do the other side than I do towards the the the, the, the writing and the editing and the everything else. Um, so yeah, I've had yeah a couple of university teams have asked me. No professional teams have had anything 
to do with me and I don't blame them. I'm sure the, the guys they've got in place are so much better than me. Do you ever get the like, comments sort of from people saying, oh, nice one, you, you've, you've revealed like how Wales defend, now the other teams. Yeah. Do you ever get that comment? I get, yeah. I, 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 get, I, mean, I get that loads. As, as if like South Africa and England aren't watching Wales games like they've, they've read a Wales yeah. online or a Squidge video and gone yeah oh my word I didn't realise Wales were defending like that <laughs> exactly yeah it's like <laughs> these these teams aren't coached by Michael Checker they're watching other games <laughs> <laughs> they're what <laughs> it's just it's just yeah. an incredible bit of sort of a comment that I just, yeah. just can't get my head around um, <laughs> then if you haven't had any offers from teams what what about other forms of media have, have sort of have any other forms of media been in touch about analysis and, and or, or, or being obviously you've done the world rugby sort of twitter videos but yeah any other sort of companies or organizations I, no it's pretty much just them um i've had a couple of websites i've done bits so i did a i wrote a couple of articles for rugby pass um and yeah i've had a few i've been on a few of podcasts and so on uh but not really no i it's only would World Rugby is the only sort of, I guess, major brand that's looked at me like that. I haven't had offers from any TV or whatever, or any radio, etc. Yeah, genuinely quite surprised by that because you know you look. <laughs> as soon as something starts to sort of go viral, sort of on social media yeah. and sort of this, like you know, like Flats and Shanks podcast, yeah, and suddenly they're doing stuff for ITV, they're doing stuff for Scrum Five, but and t- you know the, t- the TV diff- stations are sort yeah. of quite. They're quite quick, but also quite slow to sort of pick up on those trends. And they're like, "Oh, look, there's something think, something popular on on the internet. We should." I think that's it. I think they probably came across that because they know who David Flatman and Tom Shanklin are already, because yeah. they were professional players. Whereas I was, as I say, like some idiot sitting in the corner of his kitchen in in the East Midlands somewhere. Um, and I think it's it's a far longer shot to put me in than to put in two people who the audience already know to some degree. Um, so I I, comp- I understand like and I I'm not surprised by it, but maybe just because I live my life on a day to day basis, you know. And if I woke up tomorrow morning and had an offer from ITV or the BBC or whatever, that would feel like a big event, I guess. I don't expect that the following day. Um, whereas a lot of people say that to me, they're surprised that I haven't had whatever, and I'm not. And I completely understand that maybe my my tone isn't exactly what they go for. Um, in as much as you know, I. I'm quite happy to at points to 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 say things perhaps that they wouldn't on ITV on whatever the thing is. Um, I get it, and I'd be I'd be very open to doing it if anyone if any producers from not Hollywood are listening, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's, yeah, as long as the money's right, not falling that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely, of course. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Anything less than ten thousand, I'm not getting out of bed. <laughs> no, I'll I'll get out of bed to turn the offer over and get back into bed. There's a man who knows his work, yeah. and I've got to get back out of bed that morning anyway to fight a little like horse-sized duck-sized horse. That's true. So you know I'm up anyway. That yeah, that's true. I love I love how this podcast just comes around full circle. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes back to fighting that duck-sized horse. Indeed, and Ben Volavola. Yes. <laughs> I'm not fine Ben Volavola though. No. Like, he was actually he was less Oh, he was carrying a baby, yeah. So I, don't baby. I was worried a bit, like seeing two Fijian internationals carrying babies in one arm, I thought they were gonna offload out the back of their hand. <laughs> it was slightly scary. 
<laughs> you're worried for the baby's safety. Like, I'm on high alert here. Maybe that's why whales have been training with baby oil. Yeah. <laughs> They're working towards it. Right. There um, was actually a thing, Taika Waititi. Sorry, are we wrapping it up? No, 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 no. Go on. Okay. There was a thing Taika Waititi did before, you know, he ended up making Marvel movies, wherein he did a thing he called Rug Baby as like a. a piece of like video art i think where he'd take clips of like jonah lomu scoring and he just replaced the ball with a baby um <laughs> so there's a there's a version it's really hard to find it's disappeared online uh it was up briefly in which he'd gone through and he'd re-edited that that try runs over mike cap he's holding a baby under his arm and he dropped in alongside the commentary bits of a baby crying and screaming that's brilliant <laughs> it was very funny and it's now really hard to find there's there's odd photos you can find of of it, and there's a yeah, there's photos in a TED talk he did. Um, but yeah, it was a great little thing. Oh, fantastic! I'm gonna have to, I have to try dig that out. Um, <laughs> so then, what's what's next on the agenda then for the for the World Cup videos? Uh, I've just put the England Argentina video up today. Um, I've got two roundups that I'm sort of towards the end of writing, so I'll move on to those next. Try and wrap up as many of the games, cover as many of them as possible in those, and then I'll hopefully try and cover the others next week before the quarterfinals, when I've got a bit of a chance to um, to, to work through things. When there's, there's five straight games without matches, which is both a horrifying thought and actually sort of soothing, considering the way my schedule has been. Absolutely. Um... Plus Ben Volavola. Oh yeah, Volavola. I'm just going to follow him. If that's not in the just, in the Wales yeah. Fiji game now, I am going to be absolutely good. <laughs> of course, I'll just follow him until that child is old. <laughs> I was going to say any. I was going to say any grew up to be someone, but I couldn't think of anything funny. So <laughs> he grew up to himself, win international caps. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. Um. I think we'll leave the podcast there because nothing screams the end All of the right. podcast like struggling to come up with a joke. <laughs> uh, that's a sign if ever there was one. That's a sign, yeah. Uh, but thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, Robbie, really appreciate no, thanks it. Thanks for having me. And um, all the best uh, out in Japan and, and, and with YouTube. Thank you and thank you yourself.